Welcome to episode 347 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Saturday 24th of February 2024. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. The plan was to record this interview while riding to Laxey on the Isle of Man with cycle guide and event organiser Richard Fletcher pointing out the roads long used by fellow Manxman Mark Cavendish. But then, weather. I'm Carlton Reed, and I was on the Isle of Man for the AGM of the British Guild of Travel Writers. Members could choose a one-day fam trip activity And while others chose spa and yoga retreats or cookery sessions, all indoors, I had asked to go cycling. I'd brought my road bike on the steam packet ferry from Haysham and was eager to hook up Richard with a radio mic and then chat as we pootled along. The driving rain put paid to that idea and after a bitterly cold two-hour ride, we dripped dripped into a Douglas bike shop. Richard, I've just seen a photograph of you there that I took on the, the road, and you're smiling, but there's sleet, <laughs> there's rain, there's basically, we're riding through almost a, a river uh, coming up through to, to Douglas. So that was pretty grim out there. Yeah, it's as bad as it, as it gets over here. Um, but yeah, you, you, it's, you're out on your bike, and there's the worst places to be, so... Uh, as long as you don't do more than an hour and a half and sort of that sort of weather, then it's fine. Right. So warmed up, we had a cup of a coffee and a bit of cake uh, in Noah's Bakery, mm-hmm. NOA. Yeah. And next door to that is Bike Style, yeah. uh, the bike shop. So we're now sitting on very nice sofas here in, uh, in, a, in a nice bike shop. I'd like to say overlooking, you know, the scenic <laughs> wonders of Douglas, but we can't actually see... A great deal. And when we were out riding this morning, you, you, you basically you took me out to some scenic places, but we didn't actually see anything. Yeah. So just describe the ride that we did this morning. What would we have seen if it would be a beautiful day? Because we were kind of going towards Snaefell, weren't we? Yeah, the, the hills, well, well, the route we went on, there'd be hills all around it, basically. So, and yeah, on a clear day, that's what you see. You can, you can see the island from sort of side to side and top to bottom when, when you're out it's particularly if you get some height but today because it's hilly you get white out effectively so um yeah there's quite low cloud and yeah, you don't see a lot but um but yeah it would have been a nice ride if um or view wise if, if it had been clear because we did get pretty damn cold out there today um so the the route you were originally planning to take me on would have been towards Laxey. Yeah, I've gone north up the east coast of the island and you get some stunning views up the east coast, well, on all the coastal routes on the island. Um, and the island basically has, has villages and towns dotted around the coastline. So as soon as you come in from the towns, you, you start climbing um, and you go either over a hill into a valley and over another hill and back to the coast. It's, um, the island's only 12 miles wide in its, in its um, widest point and 36 miles long so you can cross from coast to coast or top to bottom in 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 a day um but there's lots of minor roads i think some of the roads we went on they were most of them were single carriageway roads um so the benefit of that is they're nice to ride on because they're quiet very little traffic um but um yeah it's uh, just today was um, a rough day for us so if we had done that ride which we we're planning to do mm-hmm. towards laxey would have basically ridden past Cav's house. Yeah, he, he was born, well, he born and brought up in, in Douglas and Laxey. He still has a house in Laxey. Um, and Laxey's a, was has got a lot of history from it. It was an old mining village years ago. Um, not a big population there. Um, it's, it's People have a possibly have an impression of Cav that because he's a sprinter, they see him in the Tour de France with a, a sprint train that he, he's a 
a rider for the Flatlands, but um, the, he was born and brought up over here where Ed, the, you, there are hills everywhere you go. Um, and in his amateur racing, I think you see that, that he's used to coping with that, that type of terrain. Mm. And tell me about Dot Tilbury. Because Dot Tilbury, you were talking about basically before when we were in the coffee shop, about a big funnel of riders, and then out of the bottom you would spit out these well-known riders that we've all heard of. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been cycling for 40, more, well, more than 40 years, and um, until Dot came around, then the um, cycling tended to be quite insular, and you, p- people would get into cycling because their parents had or their brothers or sisters had. Um, Dot started a children's league on a Tuesday night more than 20 years ago now um, and it started attracting more and more children into it who weren't anything to do with the normal cycling scene and within a relatively short space of time it got to the stage where she was getting 200 then 250 and now 300 kids would turn up on a Tuesday night and be introduced to cycling as an activity and that's been going on now I say for over 20 years and I'd say for a small population like the Isle of Man, 86,000 people, that's the the most directly um, cause of of the high standard of cycling because you get you use the word there. There is a sort of wide funnel of kids becoming involved in cycling, and yes, there's when they get to 14, 15, 16, and other distractions come around or other activities come around, particularly in this day and age where you, there's so many alternatives to to. to to spend your time, um, still a larger number drop out the bottom of the funnel than would have if, if she didn't run that league. And I think it's it is the most direct link to the success of, of elite cycling over here. And when was when did Dot exactly set that up? I don't know exactly. It's twenty twenty something years ago. It'd be more than twenty years, less than thirty. And where where does she? Where's the? Is it just it's a, like an off-road circuit? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a perimeter um, road around the National Sports Centre. Um, so it's about half a mile round, pan flat, um, and it's like a, an oval, like, like a, a, well, a, a 600 metre version of an athletic track effectively, but it's tarmac. Um, and they race around there on a Tuesday night. They start when they're almost just off balance bikes um, through to when they're um, 16. Um, and they, that's where they get into cycling and as they get to the older age groups, and they then move into the, the more sort of traditional cycling scene. But Dodd also takes them away on trips. So they go to places like they, they have a day on the Manchester Velodrome. They take part in the youth series that British Cycling runs. Um, and we run a round of that over here. So um, they get to perform on home soil as well. In fact, that's coming up in um, April this year. Um, there'll be over 200 kids come from the UK the best 200 kids in the UK will come over to ride in the Isle of Man and about 50 adults kids will be in those races as well because you're one of the organisers of yeah, the youth tour I, I, recently the, the youth tour has been running for 14 or 15 years now um, in the last couple of years um, it, the organisers sort of change over time and became involved and become involved so um, Emma Dyer, who's been involved for many years in organising it, Rob Holden, ex-professional cyclist, and myself are the three main organisers, but it's a big team of people that put it together. And it's closed roads? Yeah, we get road clo- full road closure, which is one of the um, USPs, if you like, of, of them coming to the Isle of Man. The, the kids aren't used to riding on closed roads, they're used to riding on closed circuits mm-hmm. around parks and things like that. And we get um, national escort group guys come over, so it's it's quite a an atmosphere for the kids. They, it's not Tour de France, but it's sort of to ride on closed roads with national escort, and we bring Tony Barry's neutral service cars over as well. So they've they've actually got a almost a professional experience that they they get, and I think that's why they like coming over for it. And one of the ways you're able to close the roads is the Isle of Man government. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well used to closing roads yeah, for the TT. So is that part of it? You can, you can. There is, they're used to closing roads. Yeah, they are, and uh, there's a, a as an acceptance by the public. There's always some resistance to close roads, whatever it's for, um, and we try and minimise that. Um, but yeah, the, the the sort of structures and the um, policies and laws are in place to help you do that. 
Um, the TT it happens has happened for 100 years. 1907. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, that that's an established thing over here. What people probably don't know as much about is that at the the bicycle TT started in the 30s, and uh, it was again it was because they couldn't do it in the Isle of Man and in the UK rather. Mm. So um, you had the I don't know whatever the uh, governing body of cycling was then. Um, and you had a breakaway group called British League of mm. Racing Cyclists and they they got together with the Isle of Man and we, we ran one of the first big mass start races over here in the 30s, last century. Um, and that, for a time, that became the biggest race in Britain for cycling. So you had um, top names like Tom Simpson um, and all the, the big riders at the time came over and raced the Isle of Man and the International. Um, uh, before, yeah, in this sort of following the Second World War, when there was no nothing like that, everybody was time trialing. Yeah, famously yeah. in alpaca. Yeah, you know, and, black and, alpaca and, 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 and going out in early secret. Early morning in that, mm. that time. Yeah, so the the road racing scene was established. Cycling was established then, really, and then that became Manx International Cycling Week, um, which ran through till two thousand and three, um, which was a week long festival where we closed roads for through the whole week for cycling. Um, that went into decline mainly because people's habits changed and they didn't want to take a week off from their work holidays to come to Armand for cycling when they, Mallorca and other places were, were, were beckoning. So now we tend to have um, um, smaller scale races. We had the, um, we've had rounds of the British National Series for seniors, so the Premier Calendar. We've hosted the National Championships um, and consistently we've run the National Youth and Junior Tours. That's a round of the British Youth Series and a round of the British Junior Series, the Peter Buckley Series, which it's still, I still call the Peter Buckley Series. Peter Buckley was actually from the Isle of Man um, and uh, won the Commonwealth Games gold medal. Um, and, and you're from the Isle of Man too, so you're, yeah, you're, a, you're a born and bred marksman. Yeah. yeah, I spent a little bit of time off the island, but mainly on the island, yeah. Uh, my wife's from the UK and uh, my dad was from the UK, so... Uh, it's um, but yeah, it's um, but yeah, I'm, um, my home is here. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit about how you sort of semi-funded Cav's early career well, that's only with, with with some cash, <laughs> but indirectly. Yeah, that's my claim anyway. <laughs> I don't think Mark would, would would know about it or agree with it. But Mark's uh, mother, for many years, Adele ran a dancewear shop, uh, not far from this shop actually, um, and. Uh, both my daughters did ballet, so I spent quite a lot of money on point shoes over the years with, with Adele. And so uh, I say that, and that was about the time Mark was getting into cycling. So, yeah, I must have contributed in a small way to him. Yes, yes. And, and he, of course, had a, a, a dance background first, didn't he? I believe so. I think, I think a lot more is made of it than that. But, yeah, when he was, I think, 9 or 10 or 11, um, I think he did some ballroom dancing. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, in the next three or four years he appears on Strictly or something like that yeah, mm. be a good candidate mm. and he, he's got a house you said he's on, mm. on Laxey I mean he's got houses dotted around to, I think, but one of them yeah, yeah one of them is, is, is certainly here so he would be a known figure here I mean I'm, I'm here oh, yeah. obviously yeah. for the the, uh, the AGM of the, the Travel Writers Guild mm. and even you know the, the, the top big wigs in, when we had our gala dinner they mentioned Mark Cavendish. Yeah. You know, so he, he's a known figure quite apart from in the cycling scene, but he will appear and he will do local, yeah, local he comes, rides. He comes, he comes up frequently to see his, his mum and dad. We both live on the island. Um, and, yeah, when he's here, he goes out with the, the local lads on both training rides and he'll, he'll, he'll pop up and do events as well. I, I run a sportif each year and... Um, I hadn't had any contact with them, but the British cycling entry system that was used, the entries pop up in your email inbox, and there's one M Cavendish OB. He just paid his entry fee and rocked up like any other rider to it. So he doesn't make a big thing of it. Mm. He made the day because he turned up and he was a little bit late getting to the start. I mean, Sportif's quite a relaxed start, but when he got to the start and when he went round with the lads who were strong enough to ride with him, um, he, because he was late starting, he went past everybody in the event, and it made the event. All you could hear in the sort of coffee shop afterwards was people saying, "Oh, calf passed me on this hill, or calf passed me here." So it's great. But he does, 
he just slots in. I think, I think, I don't know, you have to speak to him, but I think he enjoys the fact you can just behave normally over here and go about his business without getting accosted for this, that and the other. So, so when we were out on the roads before, mm-hmm. most of the people were getting this wide berth, but we had a couple, I mean, it was a, such atrocious weather, and they were coming past at speed. Yeah. And that wasn't, that wasn't terribly nice. And you, and you might have told one of the drivers they shouldn't have been doing no, that. I did, uh, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was, it was a horrible closed pass. So uh, how much respect do you generally get? for? And, and could it be some of it down to you've got that funnel of riders and you've certainly got somebody as famous as Mark Cavendish that, you know, the, the, the big wigs talk about him. So might there be some, even if it's just a small bit of people's brains, like, well, I can't, you know, close past those cyclists. One of them might be Cav and then I'm in, the, you know, national news. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a bit subjective, my, my gut feel, because I do do quite a lot of riding off the island is my, my gut feel is that I think the drivers over here are a little bit more considerate than elsewhere in the in the, in the British Isles um, but it is a bit subjective but um, generally speaking I think the overall rise in popularity of cycling whether it's here or in the UK has also contributed to maybe people being a bit more aware I don't I don't, I don't think it's it's not malice of people in cars I think it's, it's ignorance of of the fact they're inside a, st- a steel box and you're not um, so it's, it's not something that would ever I mean I've been cyclist for many years it, it's not going to put me off cycling anyway um, but I think it is the it's still the main barrier to people taking up cycling who aren't experienced cyclists um, so it's a it's a culture change people's personalities change when they get in the car and then um, that's, that's the top and bottom of it really no, it's not, it's not too bad over here. And the roads themselves, because they're, they're not big roads, people have to drive with a bit of care and attention. Most people do give you plenty of room. Yeah. So you were careful a few seconds ago to, to say British Isles rather than the UK. So Isle of Man isn't in the UK, isn't in the EU ever, it's, but it's part of the British Isles yeah. and it's a crown dependency. Um, there are different rules here because you know, you've got your own government. And one of those rules... Uh, or lack of rules is you can go how fast as you want in a car on certain roads and that's partly maybe a legacy of mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the TT mm-hmm. that's been going on so if you've got this TT circuit and even on Ordnance Survey maps it says you know this is the TT course mm-hmm. and, but these are public roads these are, these are not, not a closed circuit at all apart from when it's, it, it's running in, in June and it, the roads are closed so at those roads being no speed limits mm. means some drivers, not all of them, but some drivers are going to be going crackers on those roads because you yeah. can overtake a policeman, a police car, at, at 200 miles an hour and they can't do anything about it. Mm. So does that mean cyclists avoid that, that, that the, course, the, that road? There's only, there's only one section that most cyclists avoid and that's the, what's called the mountain road. It runs from Ramsey over alongside Snaefell, the, the only mountain on the island and drops down into Douglas so whereas 20 well 30 years ago I used to commute over that road um, most people would avoid it now and I would avoid it now it's because and there's a number of reasons for that one is that yes a lot of drivers do put their foot down when they get on the mountain road there are safe passing places on the mountain road and um, if you were doing excessive speed and you overtook a police car they would still pull you in because it's although there's no speed limit it's allowing you to drive um, I'm not sure the legal definition but um, in a safe manner effectively Mm. so it's not unlimited speed it's driving to the road conditions and if you overtook them at 70 and it was misty they'd pull you in so it's um, there is some control over it Um, but particularly motorbikes because of the history they like to I really push it over the mountain um, and it's so I wouldn't go up there on a bike now for two reasons one you can um, although we've got terrible weather today um, even in the, on a summer's day the mountain and in patches can be misty so you could set off from Douglas or Ramsey in bright sunshine and once you get above thousand feet or whatever you're in mist and the speed differential between a car even not absolutely ragging it over the mountain and the bicycle going uphill 
is such that it, you you be at risk of being hit from behind because the driver just wouldn't see you in time. Do motorists avoid it? Do they also well, think, motorists think oh, I'm not going to go up there because yeah, other motorists, motorists do? Um, I, I mean, I say I lived in Ramsey and commuted to work in Douglas um, for 20 years, and I could I could probably drive the mountain road blindfold. Um, but I, I do know some drivers and even taxi drivers who don't like riding because the because it's the TT course there are no cat's eyes in the middle of the road so it's actually uh, quite right. a difficult road to drive in the mist um, you need to know where the road's going up ahead um, so yeah there are some motorists uh, that avoid it um, as well so that's a 37 mile stretch of, of in effect a triangle yeah of, of roads that are marked on the OS map as the um, as the, the TT course but the island has something like 688 miles yeah. of other roads. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, 640 odd mm. uh, miles mm. of other roads. Yeah. So is that something that, right, avoid them. You don't have to sometimes use that road to link up with other things. No. You can always avoid it. No, and the, the, the funny part of that is that the, when we have bike races or, or there are motorcycle races, the mountain road, because it's very, there are th maybe three businesses on the mountain road. I think you went to one, Victory Cafe. Um, they, they we're allowed actually to close the mountain road with very little resistance because there are alternative routes around the island for motorists and there's not many people live on the mountain road. So it's, it's actually, although it's a road you wouldn't use when the roads are open, it's, it's it, for an event, you can often get a road closure on the mountain road quite, quite easily because of that. Um, but yeah, the other road, most of the active cyclists, they wouldn't use the TT course because they are um, effectively the island's equivalent of sort of arterial roads. Um, mm. Most of the traffic is on those roads. Mm. Um, but it means the roads to the side. I mean, we went on some of them today, Carlton, um, without being able to see where we were. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, they're the roads that run alongside or, or crisscross those roads. Um, and they're... The traffic is fairly light still. We didn't have a chance to go up to the north of the island where it's, it's, the northern plain is flat, but that's where virtually all the um, local racing takes place now because there's very little traffic. It's mainly just farmlands, you know, farms and fields. At this point, we'll cut to a break. Take it away, David. This podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn understand that while a large cargo bike can carry oodles of stuff, Many of us prefer something, well, a little more manageable. That's why they've come up with the HSDE Cargo Bike for folks with big aspirations to go car-free, delivered in a compact size. With its rear shock to 80 kilos and a combined hauling capacity of 180 kilos, the robust new HSD is stable and easy to maneuver, even when under load. And with its Bosch e-bike system tested and certified to meet the highest UL standards for electric and fire safety, you'll be able to share many worry-free adventures with a loved one, whether it's your kiddo or nan. Visit www.turnbicycles, that's T-E-R-N, turnbicycles.com to learn more. Thanks, David. And we are back with Isle of Man's Mr. Cycling, Richard Fletcher. So describe where maybe Cav or Peter Canig, where they would have ridden, where would they go? Do, do, the, do you think, would they have a standard training ride or would they mix it up? No, they, they mix it up. And um, I know Cav has a thing that he doesn't like to repeat the same road on any training ride. I think he, he covered that when he did a, a piece over here with uh, Matt Stevens. Um, but they ride, they ride all over, basically. Um, and you can, it's... For a small island, there there are a lot of roads. You can you can mix it up. It's a, and you you tend to look at the weather and see which way the wind's blowing and decide on your route then rather than have a planned route. Um, but they will know both those two and, and anybody who's been involved in cycling over. You get to know every road on the island basically. So it's a, yeah. so you would link it up in your head and then yeah, just and crisscross and go where the coffee is really. <laughs> <laughs> And then on this trip, uh, uh, maybe they're just pulling our leg, I don't know, but the, 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 
the bus driver, everybody who's been talking to us on this trip has been stressing the folklore mm-hmm. element of the Isle of Man, which I wasn't really terribly familiar with at all. So everybody is stressing, you know, you've got to, when you go across the ferry bridge, you've got to say hello to the fairies. How much of this is, ah, oh, would you tell that to the tourists? And how much of that is, no, people on the island genuinely, you know, believe in this stuff. I don't know about believing it. A lot of, a lot of the, the people from the island buy into it. Um, and Why? It's, because know, it's because I'm, I'm not one of those people. Yeah, so right. it's, it's probably difficult for me to say. <laughs> so I'm not a superstitious person, but there is, um, I mean, there is a big Celtic, but the, the background, the history of the Armand is interesting. Um, so although I don't buy into all the, the folklore stuff, um, the, the, the background history of the Armand where the Vikings were heavily involved in the Isle of Man because you look at it geographically on a map, you can see that if you were a um, military strategist, where would you base yourself if you want to rape and pillage all over the British Isles? You go to the Isle of Man because you can make a base here and strike out and hit Ireland, Wales, England or Scotland from it. So the Vikings were a, a, a big influence on the island's longer history. And then because of that, the Scottish um, lords got rid of the Vikings and then the lords of Derby took over from the Scots. So there's a lot of, um, not folklore that, but there's a lot of good meaty history about the island. Um, the, the other stuff I don't know, I think it's, um, it's, it's the stuff about um, mythical creatures and fairies is, is probably because you, um, you've got a small island race basically so you you get myths and things and from a, an environment like that but yeah it's um it's it it sells a lot of gin you know yes <laughs> i mean it's definitely good stories yeah um and we've been given you know books of, of the folklore and then the bus will stop quite, and say so you've got to say it's quite know, a celtic thing doesn't it i mean you've got mm. the, the other celtic nations have similar things so irish irish myths and, and welsh and scottish as well um that, so there is quite um, a strong Celtic presence here, um, and there are quite there's quite a lot of um, exchanges between, particularly in the arts um, around the Celtic side. So you've got um, Normandy, Brittany, Cornwall, um, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, and they do get together, for, particularly in the art side, and um, and share the same sort of um, music and poetry and everything else um, it, it doesn't overlap as much in into sport um, although we've got a really interesting event coming over here in um, July this year called the Pan Celtic which is a like an ultra endurance event and I was amazed the, the, the guy I didn't know anything about the event until um, earlier this year and the guy who organized a guy called Matt Ryan who lives in North Wales um, he opened the entries for it and had to close them I think 48 hours later because he'd filled the field and it's people from all over the world coming up. Um, we completely coincidentally bumped into a German couple um, on a cycling holiday and uh, they said, oh, you're from the Isle of Man, we're coming for the Pan-Celtic this year. And uh, so they're flying in Minsbrook to Gatwick from Gatwick to here to, to do this event that starts, does a hundred mile loop around the Isle of Man and they get on the ferry and they go off to Scotland and ride around there. So. Do you know the route? Um, what, they, what are they doing? Loose route. It's about, I think it's about 1,500 miles in total. It's one of these ultra-distance ones. Mm. The Isle of Man is, is strange in that it's been set as the, because we've got the ferry ride, it's been set as the first stage, so it's been classed as a time trial. It's not, it is a race and it isn't a race. It's a, it's a race where nobody wins anything, is the way that the, um, the organiser describes it. But it's a personal challenge thing. So when the clock starts normally on the Pan-Celtic, it doesn't stop until you get to the very end. Whereas for this year, because the Isle of Man's being used as the first stage, they don't do um, a ride through the night here and then get the morning ferry over to um, Haysham and then ride. I think they, they go north then and ride around Scotland for the rest of it. Mm. But I haven't seen the rest of the route. Because normally on the Pan-Celtic, it's, if you get to the, 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 the ferry port late, well, you've just got to get the ferry the next day and that's, that's added to your time. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this one, unusually, yeah, they're, they're going to stop the time, so it is like a time trial. Yeah, because it's a, 
three and three quarter hour journey over, I think. Um, so yeah, they've um, they've got they've got a big enough window. They're starting at seven o'clock on a Saturday evening, and they've got to do about I think it's about 105 miles. So the the ferry leaves at 8:45 the next day. So I can't see anybody missing that. It's um, they should have a little bit of sleep actually. Mm. <laughs> do you know what route they're doing actually on? Yeah, the I went through the route with the organizer because um, we've actually got another big cycling event the next day, so we needed to avoid clashing with that. Um, and it basically does a, 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 a big loop of the island um, around, the, around the perimeter mainly, but they cut into, um, they've got, the participants will have some interesting climbs to do as well. They go up um, a climb called Thalty Will, which is, uh, Effectively going up the mountain. It's not the mountain road TT course way, but it's a the, it's a it's a nicer if you can have a nice climb. It's a nicer climb than the TT course one. And they they are avoiding the TT course completely. There's not 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 hitting it at all. They're on it for about a mile. And that's it. Because when you get to the top of that climb, you actually go backwards along the TT course before you then go back into the interior. Um, but that's that's fine. It's and it's it's the middle of summer and it'll be the middle of the night when they get there as well. Mm. So. Um, there won't be a lot of traffic on that road. Mm. Yeah. So that's, as you are saying before, there's, there's, there's no cat's eyes on that road. So that's a road that maybe people avoid at, at night anyway? Um, yeah, it's, it, well, it, it, there are alternative routes. So yes, you would. They would if, it's in, on, if it's not misty, then you would go that way because it's the quickest way from north to south, um, most direct way. Um, but generally speaking, in, in nighttime, it's quiet anyway. So last night we had a talk from Milky Quail, who's one of these guys who, who, who averages 136 miles an hour on his motorbike mm-hmm. as he's going around the course, sometimes hitting 200 miles an hour. And he was, one of my questions I asked him was, uh, you would die if you hit a pothole mm. at, at 30 miles an hour, never mind 200 miles mm. an hour. So the local authority, the government, must be pumping a huge amount of money into keeping that road mm. absolutely pristine yeah. and there's never going to be a pothole on that road. However, does that mean that other roads, the roads maybe the cyclists are on, does that mean they're getting short shrift there because they're getting roads where there's going to be potholes and then all the money is being pumped into that mountain road? The, the, I don't know the answer is also. The, the, there's a perception certainly that the TT course has, well not perception, the TT course has a priority and it is always, as you say, um, perfectly maintained and it has to be actually sculptured sometimes to accommodate the um, motorcycling. So the, the course has probably got faster over the years because it's been improved. Um, there's a, on the mountain road section, there's a couple of places where the road is actually um, ba- not banked but is lends itself to it's certainly not off camber put it that way there, you know so that there is a lot of money spent on the tt course but that's justified by the fact that the tt races are revenue generating mm. so whether whether that means it whether that's to the detriment of other roads is a moot point um some people locally would say definitely whether it's financial or just resource wise in terms of the time spent um Generally speaking, I think our roads are fairly good. Um, I tend to ride a gravel bike now anyway, so um, you, you seek out rough roads sometimes. So it's not as a, I don't think we, I certainly don't think where the roads elsewhere, um, the roads outside of TT Gulfs over here are certainly not any worse than UK roads now. Mm. Um, and I'd say overall, slightly better than a lot of areas of the UK so uh, but yeah it's, a diff- it's as much the time I think as anything Carl the, as more than the money you've got limited resources to to do roads maintenance so if you're spending quite a lot of that time on the TT course you've, you've a limited um, time frame by the same token you've probably got some pretty good experts who are probably using some pretty good scientific equipment to spot potholes forming, and that might benefit other roads. I don't roads. know. I'm maybe not seeing that, but uh, we, they've got they've, we've got a reporting. So you can report potholes, um, and it, they they do react very quickly to them when you report them. Um, 
we, it's inevitable you'll get wear and tear. I mean, look at the weather today. It's, um, mm. There'll be, um, I'm sure when this week is out, there'll be a lot more potholes than there were last week. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far we've talked about uh, road cycling and you've talked a little bit about uh, gravel cycling there. What about mountain biking? Mountain biking is, is a growing thing. It's been underexploited, I think, in that. Because in the bike shop here, I'm just turning my head. It's, I mean, there's road bikes over there, but there's a ton of mountain bikes there. Yeah, I mean, the, there are 26 plantations over here. Of, and they are what we would call Forestry Commission. Yeah, yeah. The department of, there's a department of government that looks after them and uses them for um, growing trees, basically, and, and harvesting those trees. But within those plantations, a lot of them have had, over the years, um, sanctioned and unsanctioned trails built. Um, they've tended to be built historically they've tended to be built and then um, forgiveness asked afterwards rather than permission to go and build the trails um, and the government department has been quite uh, friendly in that respect in that they generally want to encourage access to those plantations the we tried to formalize that in the last couple of years and recognize that we've probably got as many trails and the quality of those trails and the accessibility of those trails is, is just as good as some of the sort of identified cycling parks in particularly in Wales, Scotland and, and Ireland more recently um, but we've never really produced a, a tourism product that and we've never really joined them all up so there's been quite a big effort in the last two years to do that and there's a there's a, a scheme just kicking off at the moment. Government um, agreed funding in October last year to well, produce effectively a, a, an Isle of Man trail park and that's taking a cluster of seven plantations that are quite close to Douglas and joining them together. There are, about, there are only about four road crossings to join them together because they either abut each other or there's a road crossing to get into the next one. Um, so that's a project that's, that's starting now um, to join those up and then I think it will be used as a as a tourism product but also be a great benefit to the local population um, and, and you're involved in that yeah yeah I'm involved in, 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 in advising the government on it um, the the rise of gravel cycling as well because a lot of it within those plantations you have um, forestry roads fire, fire roads mm. um, so we're, we're going out from this bike shop actually on Saturday and on a gravel ride and we'll take in at least two of the plantations during that um, if the weather improves a bit. So the government is pumping money mm -hmm. into, into these plantation rides. It recognises, or the, the big wigs recognise Mark Cavendish, or they use Mark Cavendish as something to talk to a general audience. You know, it wasn't an audience of cyclists at all, it was an audience of of just uh, general travel writers who they were, they were talking to. So is there an awareness that cycling is important to, to the economy and potentially could become even more important in the future? Yeah, I think it's a growing thing. The, the, the Arns tourism product has changed over the years. It, if you go back to my childhood, it was a bucket and spade tourism where the the mill towns of the northwest would shut down for a week and the, there was Scottish week, there was Irish week and it was that type of holiday. That fell away when the um, trips to Spain and things like that came about. So that was one section. Then it, it moved on to um, basically in more niche tourism such as around the, the um, heritage railways and things like that and that became very popular. More recently, so the last three or four years, um, all the studies and reports that have been done around the future of tourism on the island said actually that generation is, is it's wrong to say flatlining, cause <laughs> but they, they're declining. Um, the new demographic of tourism want the outdoors and that's what the Isle of Man has got in spades. So the activities such as, I think the government does now realise that Activities particularly such as walking, cycling, um, golf as well. There are n numerous golf courses over here. And any, anything, the more sort of um, general outdoor and active type of activities are, they will be the future of tourism on the island. So 
cycling and walking in particular are being focused on. We've got some. I'm I'm not a, a hill walker um, at all, but the 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 that is a, as an asset over here. There's there's access all around. There's a, there's a an 82 mile coastal path um, called the Rad Rad Fallen, um, that is is under used. Is it's un, it's not known about really, but it's there, and it doesn't need a lot of work to make it a top rate tourism product like some of the the Pennine routes that you have in, in the UK. And cycling wise, yes, the there's mountain biking has been absolutely recognised and they say the money's been allocated to, to do that. And I think that will become a product and I think gravel then sort of leads you into road as well. So um, yeah, I mean the challenge the main challenge I think is um, is for cycling is, is getting a bike over here. Um, the ferry. I mean, it, some people might fly, but the ferry. Uh, it's a brand new ship. Yeah, that they're the ferry's using. pretty friendly with the, the bikes. I mean, that, that's there's, that there's a room. Be, yeah, that, that, that'd be there's the an preferred. actual room yeah. where you put your bikes yes. and you hang them up, and it's like whoa. That's, and that's most it. ferries don't. Even in fact, I don't know any ferries where there's a room where you put your bikes. Well, that's come about because I say about three or four years ago, there was a a recognition that the future lay in those niche um, outdoor active elements um, the ferry is brand new so um, we did a, a gap analysis effectively on what's the difference between the Isle of Man and an established cycling destination so take the weather out of it because if you're comparing say Croatia to the Isle of Man or Italy to the Isle of Man the weather but the other things the more, the more basic things are the same it's, it's uh, having cycling friendly accommodation um, which can be the most basic thing where you don't get looked at as if you're from a different planet when you turn up in Lycra with a bike um, through to the proper cycling friendly hotels which would have secure bike storage uh, maybe a little workshop outside tap to clean your bike that type of thing so looking at the accommodation and the, the government department concerned has now a register of cycling friendly hotels and gives them advice as to what they need to do in terms of that um, the ferry was another one where back in my day the crew were really friendly but you'd roll out down the ramp and they'd say oh stick your bike over there mate and it'd be just put against the side of the deck where all the cars were yeah as you say the new ferry the manxman has got a dedicated cycle storage part so it's that type of um messaging if you like to mm. people coming over that actually cycling is welcome here um the big ticket items are things like putting together a proper trail park product. Um, the route we came in on, blinded by rain, um, in the last couple of miles went past um, what's called the Nunnery Estate, which is an old mm. stately home. Um, been in talks with the owners of that to put a closed road cycle circuit in it, and they're quite keen on that. Funding will be an issue, but um, but that. So there is a. Um, a recognition particularly around cycling that it's it's a it can become an an important tourism product and when should people come <laughs> i'm yeah. laughing there because maybe not in february no I, I don't think and there's a big push to try and encourage visitors to the island in what they call the shoulder periods mm. but no if i was I'm, I'm blunt about these things when people ask about the ironman and cycling cycling is more enjoyable in good weather it's as simple as that so yeah, you would come in the, that, that, well, not necessarily the high season, but you'd come between April, May, June, July, August, September. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't do a trip outside those months. I'd be, um, a lot of people would say, well, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad kit. But um, the, we had some good kit on today. Yeah. The, and we still got cold. I well. know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sort of, the way you can tweak the sides a bit on that are around mountain biking because you what we tend to do over here locals anyway on a day like this if you were going to go out you go out on a mountain bike in the plantations and you don't hear the wind basically so um building that mountain bike trail park product could actually extend the season because yes you're still going to get muddy but you don't get as cold and wet because you um the, there's just no wind in the plantations um, and that's where um, I would probably do my gravel riding or, or mountain biking in, 
not quite not whether quite as bad as this, but um, you, you can extend it a little bit in that respect, I think. Yeah. So, people listening to this, they thought, right, definitely not in February, but in the months that you've just recommended, mm. summer, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, they want to come across. They want to see this this fantastic ferry with its dedicated bike room. Uh, they want to do the the same roads that uh, Cab has done, and other top uh, local riders. Uh, they want to do the plantations, maybe on a mountain bike. Uh, uh, how do they find out about this, and and how do they find out about you? So, well, what what social media and what websites can they go look at? Well, the there is a cycling website we're trying to build up quite a lot now called Cycling.im, um, and that will become hopefully one of the main portals. The Visit Isle of Man website as well has quite a lot of information. But nowadays, the, the, although it's not totally reliable, you can usually find on Strava um, or Rider GPS routes in the island that um, aren't somebody's commuter route, but they are actually a decent ride. Um, so it's, it's, quite, it's a much easier nowadays, I think, to find you um, yourself new routes, or, or you can you can hire a guide, but um, it, it's a small enough island to find your way around. Um, what, where it's more difficult, I think, and that's why we're putting the work into it, is on the mountain bike side. I go out with mountain bike, because I'm, I'm mainly a road cyclist, I'll go out with mountain bikes and I'll go to trails I never would have found if I hadn't gone out with a group that did that all the time. So the idea with the trail park is that um, it won't just be on trail forks or one of the, the products like that, it will actually be very well signposted um, so that you can... The, the network we've designed um, is it's about 64 kilometres of trails um, and we agreed right at the start of the project actually, although it might seem cosmetic, the most important thing is the signage um, so people can, without a guide, or, or necessarily um, GPS files that they can find their way around it um, and find the know where there's a coffee shop or a toilet block or, or whatever um, on their ride. So that's it's probably going to take 18 months to complete it, but the aim is we'll have that a credible product for people wanting to do that for the start of the 25 season. So famously, Mallorca mm -hmm. is a, a destination island with that cycling product. And clearly part of the, of the attraction of, of, of Mallorca is nice weather. Yeah, early season weather. Yeah. Yes. Or late season weather. And, and, but also beautiful roads, but you know, mm. um, certainly the nice weather is a, is, a, is a pull. But here could become a cycling paradise, could become, is a, a cycling paradise in, in, in many ways already, but could become even bigger in the future, especially with like short haul stuff yeah. having to be necessarily, you know, in the future, mm. we're going to have to start basically holidaying much closer to home. Yeah. If we're talking about climate change and not flying yeah. everywhere and, 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 and taking a ferry is it's, much more eco yeah. than flying to Mallorca. So cyclists could come to the Isle of Man and not go to New York. Yeah, and I think say the weather's important factor, but yeah, it is more the hassle of, I mean, I've done it all my life because I've cycled since I was 15. Taking your bike on a plane is a faff. It's, it's, I'm now, because I'm old and grumpy, when I go, I do still do a lot of cycling outside of the, the, the UK, uh, but I always hire a bike when I do that now. If I go to France, or France or it will. France is different. I'm fortunate. I've got a friend lives in France with a house, and I leave a bike there. Um, but when I go anywhere else, Spain or Italy or further afield, I always hire a bike because I don't like the faff of going through airports and boxing it up and unboxing it and wondering whether it'll get there. The ferry is a lovely way to do that. You can just literally ride on the boat. So, um, yeah, that that is the best way for cyclists to get to the Isle of Man is to bring it to bring their bike on the ferry. Um, that and yeah, I think um, it is a, a viable alternative. It's going, it's going overseas without going too far. You're going out of the UK. Yeah, you are going out of the UK, and the the right the the variety of road to get here is quite fun. That to me, the sweet spot for a visitor is about a three or four day trip, um, and then you can ride different roads every day, um, and uh, enjoy them in that way. 
um, and I say the, the, the it's been recorded. We, we spoke to a few of the um, tour uh, cycling tour operators because one of the other things in the sort of gap analysis that was done is that the R man is not on in the portfolio of a lot of tour operators. So mm-hmm. some like as a company I've done some work with Bike Adventures uh, UK. They they they've got the R man on because I did a trip for them basically and. But a lot of the larger ones don't have the Isle of Man as a destination, so we need to convince them that the Isle of Man should be a destination on, on their portfolio, and then put together the trips for them to do it. Um, so that's another uh, sort of initiative that, that needs following. So get across here before those companies put it on and it becomes saturated and it's another Mallorca. Yeah, it's, uh, we've, got, we've got lots of space though, so it's, uh, yeah, we could handle that. Thanks to Richard Fletcher there, and thanks to you for listening to episode 347 of the Spokesman podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com. The next episode will be about the bike navigation app Commute, but it soon veers off to a discussion of a round-the-world cycling trip. That show will be out at the beginning of March. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.